Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful day today. It is Thursday, April 22nd, 10.30 a.m., and we are finishing up the Book of Romans, Paul's theological masterpiece that is the Book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome that is so rich with theological thoughts and things that theologies are built on. So today we're looking at Romans 16, which is the last chapter and the very end of the book. And uh, hopefully the live stream stays with us for the duration of the study. Uh, last uh, on, on Tuesday, we had some issues with it, but hope it, uh, hope it stays. So, all right, Romans 16, not a lot of theology here. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. Not, not a whole lot to pull out of Romans 16. So we're just going to do what we can. This is going to be a short study. I mean, it's just the end of the cha- It's the end of the book, and it's just the, the last. The, 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 so the la- personal greetings and just closing up with a prayer. So, okay, we start with verses one and two. So Paul writes, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Centrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many." and of myself as well. So uh, we start, Paul starts uh, chapter six. Well, Paul, Paul didn't actually write this in chapters. And actually, Paul didn't write this, which we're going to get to later. But uh, chapter 16 starts with commending Phoebe to the church uh, in Rome. You know, Phoebe, basically, Paul was a, or sorry, Phoebe was a deacon in the church. And most likely, she was the one who carried the letter to Rome. And so this this letter was sent. This letter was sent uh, by Phoebe. Phoebe went to, uh, she went to Rome to deliver this letter. And Paul says, she's a deacon. Be nice to her. Treat her well. Help her out. Do all that you can to, uh, to be kind to her because she's a benefactor and she's been very helpful to us. Uh, so uh, interesting. Phoebe is a deacon in the church. Um, you know, she's a leader in the church. Phoebe's a leader in the church. And, um, uh, you know, it's, 2000 years later, there's still churches that don't have women leaders. Uh, you know, in other places, Paul wrote other things. But uh, here, Phoebe is a deacon in the church. She's a leader at the in the very early part of the church. And what's interesting is in some translations, it says that she's a servant. Uh, so Bible translators will choose to uh, translate the word diakonon in different ways. Some will, when it's a man, typically they translate it as deacon. And when it's a female, sometimes they will translate it as servant, uh, which takes away a place of authority in the church, which is uh, not not uh, the appropriate way to do that. So, um, uh, you know, that Phoebe was a deacon in the church. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul said. Uh, and a benefactor. So, I mean, I think it's important to say that Phoebe financially supported Paul's ministry and the ministry of many others, it says. Uh, you know, she was someone who had financial means and she helped support the ministries uh, uh, that, uh, you know, she saw uh, she saw doing important things. And so, you know, I think it's important that we understand that the the place of women in the early church, they were church leaders. They were many of the uh, supporters and uh, helped make the church what it is today. So uh, we are grateful for all the women, uh, the faithful women throughout history who were leaders and supporters of the church. Um, so, and then uh, it's basically another woman right here, uh, uh, verses three through five. Greet Priscilla and Aquila who work with me in Christ Jesus and who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles Greet also the church in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila uh, mentioned in Acts chapter 18, uh, they were helpers to Paul, associates to Paul, friends of Paul and Apollos. 
uh, and now they're they're living in Rome, and they have started a church in their house. Uh, and so basically, they're co-pastors of this church in their house. You know, it's not uh, it's not that Aquila was the pastor and Priscilla was, you know, just his wife. You know, we get the sense that they were like basically co-pastors of this church in their house. And and so Paul says, greet them while you're there. Um, and so what's interesting is that for the first hundred years or more, there weren't church buildings. People, the congregations met. They were small communities and they met in people's houses. Uh, and um, and so Priscilla and Aquila, they had a church in their house. Uh, and they were the pastors of that church in their house. And, um, you know, every house probably had its own pastor. And uh, that's how the church grew. That's how the church started. There's there's power in that. There's there's power in, in community. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, again, another woman leader in the church uh, that uh, Paul is uh, asking for, for greetings to... Um, uh, as the letter goes, uh, which was taken by a woman, woman, Phoebe. So, uh, and then you have verses five through 16, which is just a bunch of greetings. Just say hi, greet so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And what's interesting is there's like 24 names in here and 13 of them are, their, their names are in documents connected with the emperor's palace in Rome. So there were Christians working in Caesar's household. Now we know that Philippians four says that. But how it's just interesting to me that that Christianity in the early days of Christianity, when Paul was writing letters, twenty years after Jesus, uh, at most probably, uh, there were Christians working in Caesar's household already. That Christianity had spread at such a rate and at such a in such places that it had actually reached Caesar's household. And I'm, I'm sure they were Christians in secret, but um, but very cool that. Uh, we have that witness uh, of the uh, of, of Christianity being all the way up into Caesar's household. Okay, we continue with verses 17 through 18. Again, this is the end of Romans, the last chapter, and it's going to be short, and this is going to be a short study. Uh, so, verses 17 through 18. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to keep an eye on those who cause dissensions and offenses in opposition to the teaching that you have learned. Avoid them. For such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. So uh, just a word uh, regarding people who divide, people who deceive, people who start conflict, people who want to draw people away from the truth of God. Um, and, you know, that he just says, avoid them. And we just did a study in our church on Second Timothy and basically says the same thing. Just avoid these people. If, if you find people who want to cause conflict, who want to lead people astray, just avoid them. Just have nothing to do with them. And and it's interesting that really that that's the only people that Paul says to avoid. Just leave them behind. Uh, you know, we, just don't even bother with them. Uh, they use smooth words and flattering speech, uh, smooth talk, and they, you know, they try, but, you know, and, and they go after those who are simple, right? People who they can deceive. And, uh, you know, when you see this happening, if you see, if you see them going after somebody who you care about, you know, say something, but just to, you know, avoid them. I think that's uh, an interesting, uh, an interesting, uh, approach to dealing with those kinds of people, just avoid them, but you know, uh, you're just not going to get them to stop. So, um, and then, uh, okay. Verse 22, I Tertius, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. And so Tertius, who is actually the writer of the letter of Romans. So there's, uh, there's a trivia question for you. Who wrote Romans? Well, Paul did. Well, did he? Paul may be the author, 
but Tertius actually wrote it. T-E-R-T-I-U-S. Tertius. Uh, so he, he probably added this without Paul knowing it. I don't know. But I, Tertius, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. Who wrote Romans? Tertius. Side note, we're watching Jeopardy last night, and there was a category on Bible. And um, I was five for five. I was really proud of myself. I should be five for five. But, you know, sometimes they ask confusing questions and stuff. But I was five for five, and I, they all came quick, and I was really proud of myself. And I was watching these really smart people on Jeopardy, and, and they got a lot of them wrong. So I was really proud of myself. Just, okay, end of rant. All right. Verses 25 through 27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. And that's the end. That's the end of Romans. That is the end of the book of Romans. Uh, starts with praising God. You know, not, now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and proclamation of Jesus Christ. You know, that God is with us, that God strengthens us, right? That God gives us the strength that we need to fight the, the difficulties and struggles of each day. Right? So God has given us strength. Um, and uh, according to the revelation of the mystery, right? The, the, the mystery that is God and God's plan for humanity that has been uh, a mystery but has now been revealed and that plan for humanity centers on the work of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his opening of the of the gates to the kingdom of God for all people. It is now disclosed and 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 it is made known to the to all the Gentiles. It says here verse 26 uh, according to the command of the uh, eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Those words don't really go together very often. The obedience of faith Faith leads to obedience, right? We say uh, faith leads to trust in God, right? But how, what, was, what, is actually, what does it mean to f- have faith in God? What does it mean to uh, have trust in God? Well, it means to obey God. It means to say to God, your plan for humanity, your plan for my life is better than the one I can come, with up, come, come up with on my own. And so I'm going to do my best to obey it. And I'm going to make mistakes. And I know that you're, you have promised to forgive me. However, I am going to try and be obedient, the obedience of faith. Faith says to God, yes, I want to do what you want me to do, right? And then verse 27, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. And so, uh, you know, I think Paul Paul makes an important point here at the end. Basically, after after 16 chapters, uh, one long letter about theology and all these different things that, that, that Paul says in, in Romans that are powerful and that change people's lives, that are transformational, he says, you know, to the only wise God. God's the only one who could come up with this plan. God's the only one who could say this is the way it's going to be. This could not have come, this could not have come through a human mind, right? A human being would never come up with a plan like this, right? That, that, that God would come to us the way that Jesus came through a poor young girl, right? Who, who wasn't married yet to grow up in a, in a, back town like Nazareth, right? And then to come and to teach and to, you know, no, this is not a human plan. A human plan would have God come through, uh, you know, would be a prince, right? The child of a king and queen and would would, uh, have a lot of wealth and would, would command armies and command respect and all this stuff. But that's not God's plan. 
God's plan was that Jesus would come, Jesus would be perfect, and Jesus would die. Jesus would be put to death by a, a, a ruling, oppressive empire, and then he would rise again, and he would proclaim the forgiveness of sins and victory over death, right? That that is, that is the plan that no human being would come, with, come up with, but that is the plan of God, right? That is the plan of God, so that we would know that we are loved, so that we would know what God is like, so that we would want to be obedient to God because our God, uh, our God serves, our God uh, calls us through love, not through force, and so uh, we, we see a God who's, in, who's willing to go to the cross. We see what God is willing to do, and we say, wow, that's amazing. That is so much different than the way I would plan it, and so much more powerful, and so we thank God for that, Amen. So that's that's the end of our study of Romans. We've made it. We are 16 chapters through, and we will close with a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your plan. We thank you for including us and in all of humanity. We thank you for dying and for being with us and giving us strength and hope uh, and peace and joy. We pray that we would share your gospel, that we would share this good news, and that our faith would lead us to obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, enjoyed going through Romans with you, and we are going, I am going to take a couple weeks off. I am going to take a couple weeks off of work, and so this is included in that. So we will come back in the, the Tuesday after uh, Mother's Day, which I guess would be the 11th, May 11th. We will figure out what we're doing then, but uh, until then, take good care of yourselves and see you all very soon.